Hey, welcome back, and thanks for being a part of Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. My name is Ray Shillings. Created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. Nikki Arnell is a designer, educator, explorer, one of those people who's always asking questions and heading off somewhere in search of answers. And I, I'm sure she's found a few answers. She began her life, her career in, uh, I'm going to call it South Chicago because it was Granger, Indiana. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're almost there. You're almost there. South Bend, South Chicago, it doesn't really matter. All the same. So one, one of those northerners, and she, she got, to, got to Memphis as soon as she could. Uh, Nikki was also <laughs> part of a, a free webinar that we had on the uh, 18th called Keeping Creatives a Creative. And a lot of people got a lot of great stuff out of that. And what we wanted to do was, was um, give you the opportunity to, to hear from Nikki once again so that we can uh, kind of share, you know, her perspective, maybe some different things as we talk today. Uh, she's been everywhere, including Granger, Indiana. But Master of Fine Arts, Graphic Design, Colorado State University. Dude, Colorado State. Yeah, man. Uh, Bachelor of Arts and Studio Art and Journalism, Indiana University. So, you know, she's got the creds here, and uh, she is now the professor. The professor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I have to call you professor, or can I just call you Nikki? Uh, I guess you can just call me Nikki. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. (laughs) So knowing, uh, I know what you did because I was at the webinar and everything, but talk a little bit about what some of the things uh, that that you touched on uh, during the webinar, and you've done this before. You've done this for a variety of American Ad Federation uh, groups. So, so let's talk about uh, the presentation, and then I have some questions for you, and they're all true and false, so it'll be a piece of cake, okay? <laughs> okay, good. There you go. <laughs> well, this, uh, this talk, uh, yes, I have given it at a couple of places, but this one is the slightly viral version, and I do mean that virus, of course, for the year 2020, the crazy thing it's been. But most of that is just on the very end of the presentation. The rest of it is about um, how to make sure that you don't overwork your creatives. And by creatives, I mean specifically in ad agencies, uh, art directors, copywriters. Even though a lot of the aspects that I'm going to talk about are how to keep everyone creative. That is the the vibrancy of an agency or any any group. Um, But, you know... Honestly, it was between you and me. Mm-hmm. The way that this all began, when I first put this talk together, um, was I, I kind of want to be an advocate for creatives. I'm not trying to put sides, you know, one against the other in specifically, let me just talk about agency. But, you know, because we're all team players and everyone does a little bit of everything. But it does seem that, um, you know, well, it's part of what I'm going to talk, what I talked about in the talk, which is that, you know, you, you know that this person can get this creative work, this great creative work done under this kind of deadline and this kind of deadline. And you've got, you know, the client over here asking for things. If you keep asking the creative to turn around such things under such a tight deadline, you're going to go for the easy answer. You know what easy answers get eventually? Boring. Really, yeah. really boring. And so it's a matter of, of making time um, to make sure that the creative is still good. That's a really, really summarized version. 
Okay. As you know, with the talk, I gave a lot of examples, um, very specific points, um, and like I said, examples of what others are doing. You know, I can't understand any client that would desire uh, to rush any type of a process for creative. I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. If you want the best out of somebody, you've got to give them, obviously, the tools, allow them to be yourself, themselves, and then allow them the time to uh, to work through uh, uh, the creative process. I don't care whether you're a copywriter or an art director or or or, or anybody. Uh, yeah, right. can, can you rush things? Yeah, you can rush things. And many times, and I'm sure you've been on uh, the other end of this, but uh, yeah, we, mm -hmm. we need it next week. Give us three great ideas and we'll go with uh, those. <laughs> like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, that's not the way it works. But, right, and I mean, I understand that every once in a while there's a, there's a quick turnaround. That is the way of things. I mean, every creative kind of likes throws a little more than they should. But, like, again and again and again and again, it's just going to turn to crap. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't ask a, 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 a major painter, Picasso, Picasso, we need this next week, okay? Uh, you got to get this done for us. And uh, there are so many ways to express creativity. You know, we, we're on the we're on the written side. We're on the you know the, uh, the, the using words to paint pictures and such. Uh, and it it does take time to work through the good and the bad and and come up with uh, uh, with what's best for the client. And then and then sometimes they go ahead and throw up on everything you've given them, and you go and then you, then you go back to. <laughs> Yes, I ha I hate that when it happens, uh, but that's the way it is. So, you know, in your career, we love our clients. By the way, we love you, clients. We love you. We love you. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating at times. The thing that frustrates me the most is you you hire a specialist uh, to perform, uh, you know, a job or to do something for you. And then they say, yeah, I think I like this one better. You wouldn't do that for your, for your surgeon or for the people who are fixing your plumbing or your car or whatever you, you, you let them do what they need. They do. And, and it, it, hopefully they've had a, a proven track re record of success and you allow them to do that. You know, Nikki, I wanted to ask you something. How do you exercise creativity? You know how we, we, we get, get up every day and we do something uh, to, to make our day a little bit more creative. How do you personally uh, exercise uh, your creativity? Oh, goodness. Well, I know this isn't what you're, what you're asking, but every morning I do a lot of yoga. So, so beyond that, <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's good, though. That's, that's along the right path. You're exactly right. You, you know, free the mind. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you get your body working and everything. Um, I mean, do you have, do you, do you, do you participate in a lot of, uh, of, of different events and venues and things like that where you're at, you're, or subscribe to things where you're actually seeing what the world is seeing these days? Yes. Yes. So I, uh, I, I, let's see. Well, in, in the, in the area, in the region, I serve on the board of AIGA. I also obviously do a lot of stuff with AdFed. So between the two groups that are doing the most in our area, but that's a very uh, uh, local, regional thing. Um, other than that, I am aware of stuff that, I mean, of course, online will show us anything that's going on in the world. Of course, I, as I'm right in the middle of an interview, I can't think of any place that I specifically look at right now because that would, that would 
That'd be too <laughs> easy. Yeah. That I follow. That would make sense. Um, I run on uh, AIGA, being since I do serve on their board. I'm on a ton of their uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, looking at what's going on, keeping up with everything. Um, uh, I don't have any specific Instagram influencers that I follow. Uh, that's yeah. Okay. No, you're obviously very well connected. You know, in our industry with American Ad Federation, you are a known entity as being a, uh, a good at what you do and uh, be a great uh, speaker. So that, which is why you were part of the webinar as well. And you've done that, as I said, many times, you know, this has been a weird year and that'd be an understatement for sure. Uh, we are, we, we are restricted by walls and spaces and, uh, and, and, and different ways of doing things. How does that affect uh, your well-being? And, and more importantly, how does that affect the, the creative process for you personally, Nikki? Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, uh, pausing and thinking about a really well, a good way to put this. Um, back when I used to work in ad agencies, so I'm going to put that as a little caveat here. Um, and I'm, as I touched on in the talk, there's something that's missing there now that there is this sort of, you know, when you're walking through the agency, you just happen to talk to someone about something, and then that goes into something else and something else. And there's this, there's this energy. There's this, this livelihood to working in all the comfort and crazy that is an office with others. Um, I haven't been in that particular realm in a very long time. Now, as far as teaching, yes, teaching, working in a, in a, a classroom with others, you are constantly a different, you know, kind of uh, uh, audience that you're working with. Sure. But a good teaching isn't just talking at people. It's about getting in there and working with them. Um, now, with that, I am definitely learning all the good ways of hybrid teaching. Like, I don't know if any of you guys knew, with Zoom, you can get into somebody's computer and, you know, help them with that, you know, things like that to be able to get in there. That's not creativity, though. Um, but that is, that is working with them. But it is, um, in a way, it's a creative process. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And, and because, you know, you're, you're helping them and you're, I suppose, what a creative director does, that you are, you know, you, you don't tell someone what to do. You, you guide them and you help them and you, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, and that actually takes a long time to learn as a professor to not just say, well, do this. No, then you're making work for them. Yeah. Like how to help somebody to learn, how to help somebody to grow and become more creative and how to develop their creative process. Um, I feel like I went off on a tangent there. Let's come back to the original question. <laughs> what did I miss in answering? No, I think, I think, you, I think you've, um, I think you've uh, answered the question in, oh. in many ways. Go ahead. Oh, I, Go ahead. I, I know the, the one part that I was missing. When it comes to my own creative process, um, now a lot of my creativity in this past month, past month has been how to it's class planning, which is a, still creativity. Yeah. Back to more traditional artwork, more traditional design. Um, and uh, in the world we are in today, honestly, I'm kind of a loner. Hmm. So <laughs> I don't mind not seeing people every day. <laughs> So that's the part that I was going to add, that I, I, I know I should miss people more, but sometimes, sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. And, and, and from, a, from a creative standpoint, I could see that that maybe is a trait uh, uh, in, your, in your category. 
You know, I think in yeah. some in some aspects, COVID nineteen has caused us to get better at some of the things that we do. What do you think about that? Do you think we're getting better at doing stuff? Yes, I think that there's. Um, I mean, I'm not the first one to say this about how we spend our time. You know, the whole we don't have enough time to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I don't even have enough time to go walk my dog. I tell you what, my dog's been getting five mile walks every other day. That's so cool. You know, and the idea, like, I had no idea in my neighborhood that's like this. Mm. You know, it's it's just there's a lot of things that are forcing us to yeah. spend more time doing things, and I'm not. Like, I've been very, very, very lucky that I am not, for example, working in the restaurant industry or yeah. something like that that is being deeply affected by all of this. I'm very lucky I'm in a bubble. An ivory tower of a bubble. Um, um, yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. No, here you go. So here we go at the end of, in, in, as we're recording this, Christmas is 12 weeks away. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so the, at the end of this year, <laughs> sum up 2020 in Nikki Arnell's world. Uh, how's, what was 2020 like? What, would you, what will you be writing about 2020? Uh, well, hopefully 2021 isn't saying, hey, 2020, here, hold my beer. <laughs> I mean, I hope that 2021 is better. Yeah. In 2020. So with that said, if this is just one encapsulated event, um, uh, gosh, uh, it as far as my teaching, which I know doesn't necessarily affect all of those who I'm speaking to right now, um, I've always been a little bit of a hybrid teacher, of course, because otherwise I'm not helping my students who are going into the world of digital. But um, it's really helped me to figure out how to be in the online hybrid world and not talk at people, how to involve and talk with them and involve them in ways and using all sorts of tools. I, I did an Adobe flipped classroom and I knew most of the stuff they were talking about, but there's all sorts of, you know, like when you're lecturing, stop every 30 minutes or 40 minutes. People aren't paying attention. I mean, they probably aren't paying attention in the real classroom either, but so maybe I should do that then too. <laughs> you know, like, just, Stop for a second and get them involved. You know, things like I'm going to be, uh, one of my classes I teach this next semester is it's a, it's a rare one for me. I do teach a lecture class. I teach history of graphic design. And so it's a matter of splitting up the lectures into smaller time points. And um, half the class is, is doing online attendance and half the class is doing it in person because it's a large class. And uh, using, using this thing called, I'm sure some of you have heard of it, Flipgrid, which is usually used for more high schools. It's kind of like TikTok in a, in a more controlled environment, but in, you know, giving some sort of feedback that isn't just, I enjoyed this piece of work in writing it, because they all are going to be writing enough online. Yeah. You get on Flipgrid and you do a, a you know, one-minute video and just tell me what you think. Wow. You know, things that are a little bit more fun to involve in a, in a controlled environment. Also learning a lot about legal issues about when you can show people spaces and when you can't, to what privacy level. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, New dynamics. That was a long answer. No, your answers are fine. And I'm, I'm not editing any of these, so they're, they're going to appear as, as answered. It's a, it's a real conversation. Right. As an associate professor at Arkansas State University, Mm -hmm. uh, do you find um, uh, the new challenges with COVID, uh, the lack of 
potentially the collaboration aspect of being face-to-face, safely Mm -hmm. face-to-face with other people. Mm -hmm. Is that a big challenge for not only you, but what what about your what about your students? Uh, how are they responding to all of this crazy stuff? You know, um, it's interesting because uh, the way that we happened with A State for us is that, and a lot of schools, uh, last March, within about two weeks, it was going from in person to completely online. Now, looking back, six months prior, the university had said, "Hey, we should all be hybrid," and I just figured that was a yeah, except for twenty first century. I didn't realize it was because the apocalypse was coming. Um, And so now for something like me, it was a pretty easy transition, but things like ceramics or sculpture or painting, my fellow professors for that, I mean, that was, and to students who, some of them have reliable internet, some of them don't. Sometimes that's a matter of financial ability. Sometimes People live out in the rural area where you don't even have a signal. So they have to, you know, come into town and sit in somebody's parking lot just to grab some internet. And, you know, that is something that was, that was really difficult. And, like, for example, what I've learned from that is in the fall semester, I'm, you know, if you're not there in person, you have to be there at a certain time online. But I have to record, for me, nobody said I had to, but record all videos for the sake of equity, for the sake of what happened. And even though part of me says, yeah, but what are those people who are just messing up and sleeping in? Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they're not. I can't, I, I can't control that. Yeah. You so, can. Yeah. You, uh, so obviously you've, you've changed things up a little bit uh, at the university mm-hmm. as well. You sound like you've got this thing covered in it, and I feel uh, in, in talking with you, well, okay, maybe you don't, I don't know, but in talking to you, I feel that you have a, a high sense of, uh, of humor, an upbeat, a positive uh, feeling, and it sounds to me like you're using that not to get trampled by COVID-19. Would you say that's probably one of your best attributes? You know, I would say that that is definitely one of my best attributes. Uh, somewhere, I mean, again, I, I've, I haven't had it as hard as other people have had it. But I think I learned somewhere in my late 30s that if you uh, if I'm if I'm fearing failure all the time, I'm going to be so worked up in my own anxiety that failure will be knocking at my door. Mm. And so you know, there's that there's that world between confidence and tripping over your own ego. You know, so having confidence, but then also and bringing it back to what you were saying about what has 2020 taught me yeah. is to go back out there specifically in teaching. Um, and listening and making sure that I'm not talking at people. So finding a way to have the confidence because you, you can't, you have to, I hope my students aren't listening to me. There can't be a hierarchy. There is totally a hierarchy, definitely yeah. a hierarchy. Sure. I am in charge, but you know, you can't talk at people, especially not in the land where we're all online. Like you've got to find ways to involve people as the end of my talk discussed the way that people are, Finding ways in this new normal to survive, I think, and bringing it back to around one of your earlier questions, I think that's going to definitely change how we relate to people in the future. It's weird. I think that part of us will be we can't wait until we get, you know, we can get back in person. Mm-hmm. Part of that. But we will all be changed. And I, I think that hopefully for the better in ways that, you know, realizing that maybe it's a matter of, Maybe not everybody has to work in person all the time, every day. Maybe yeah. people can work at home. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and be able to have a life that way also, instead of us always assuming people are just going to, you know, be sidetracked and doing all these other things. I can see how people could assume that in the uh, working world, so to speak, versus academia, where I'm like, ah, students are going to just be over there sleeping in. And actually, many of them won't be if you just give them a chance. Yeah. And and I'm sure in every class that you have, there are those who you can specifically target as these are the people who are going to be at the top. These are the people that are going to make a difference. And there are some folks that just belong for the ride. I think that's true in most any uh, educational yeah. process. You know, uh, Nikki, in our world, uh, 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 creative also comes with a tag uh, called ego. Uh, and I think that's, <laughs> that, that's one above confidence. But how do you teach the students to, to balance ego with collaboration? How do you, how do you grab somebody oh. and say, you know, you're really good at this stuff. Uh, you got to maintain uh, humble enough to, uh, to understand that there's growth potential. But how do you, how, do, you, do you teach that? Do you teach the, the, the balance of ego uh, versus, uh, uh, you know, being confidence able to talk to confidence. other people? I'm sorry? As a versus confidence? Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, just because, no, that's a great question. I'm probably going to go off on a couple of meandering points here. Um, let's see. Uh, Meander away. That's good. I like okay. That. You might have to guide me back. <laughs> <laughs> so confidence versus ego. I definitely tell my students they have to have confidence. They're going in a world of creativity for hire. And if they have too many touchy-feely, like, but this was my art, well, you're going to get crushed in two seconds. You can't, you can't, you can't be that attached to it. Um, that's why it's, it's very important we do critique. Now, critique, and oh, I'm going on so many tangents already. Uh, critique in different studios. So I'll have students come in who have learned how to critique in, in painting or, or sculpture or something like that. They are doing a different kind of critique in my world. I specifically tell them I'm going to, um, you know, we, we come back to what was the objective that you needed. That's, if you want to, you can tell me what, how you were feeling about it. And this makes it sound like I'm making fun of the studio art world, and I am not. It's just, I'm, it's a matter of there's what we wanted, but did it, did it achieve the goal? It's not self-expression. There's parts of it, some of the best designers know how to you know, find that self-expression, but it's got to answer a goal. We, and that is where I know that sometimes, even though I teach in a department of art and design, I'm a little bit on the communication side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm aware of that, that when you're far away, it, it seems the same when you're in it, it's a cavernous divide. But, sure. Um, yeah. so, so there's that aspect. Coming back around, I've had one student in the past, gosh, how long has it been? Ten years. Um, and I'm sure this person is off doing great things, but... Uh, I call them pretty much in my mind a used car salesman. Um, he had that ego when he talked that was like it just made my spine like curl up. Like, mm-hmm. ew! Like, I just I gotta go like wash my hands after I hear you yeah. talking about your artwork. Like, you're not that good yet. <laughs> uh, yep, you know he's yeah. he he was more successful than others who were very. Who had great work, but we're like, I guess it's okay. Oh, I hate you that. Know, I hate you, that. Right? You leave in what you can see that person. Yeah, but you can but, see that person talking, and they're like curling up in the corner, practically like, 
You know, you really, you really do have to believe in that. I hate that. Uh, there, there will be times when we'll do a project for a client and uh, they'll ask, so what do you think? Do you think it sounds good? It's like, no, I think it sucks. It's like, why would I present something to you that I don't think sounds good? Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I had a, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna, I was saying, yes, um, on, the, on the side note, when you go to, how do, how do you do it? When you go in to present to a client, do you do your, here's the one answer, like Paul Rand, or do you say, here are three, this is our recommendation, or do you say, here's 10? I think 10's too many. Three is perfect because what you can do is you could give them uh, one that you want to do, one that you will be okay with, and one that you know that you will still be okay, but you know that they'll be most okay. So that apparently we save some of our, uh, uh, whatever you call it, uh, you know, here, here's three choices. Three's a lucky number, I think, for that. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. I completely agree. And I also know that there is, there is that, that fear that when you do that, there will be a hybrid will be formed of some sort. Yeah. Hopefully, though, that hybrid is the safe answer that you knew they were going to take. We do love our clients. We love your clients. But yeah, the safe answer they knew they were going to take. And you're going to sprinkle a little bit of that dangerous idea that you had. You yeah. Know, sprinkle a little bit of that in there. And I, yeah. I want to. By the way, coming, coming back to that with the whole stress and keeping creatives creative, you know what the safe answer that they probably picked was the one that, like, we know all of the. Like, it's not that creative. It's too safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. But you do that. That's just the part of the process, and and it's the way it works. But that goes back to an interesting point. A good friend of ours is George Lois. George Lois is out of New York. He was the art director Mm -hmm. for Esquire. uh, And, uh, you know, he's he's one of the original madmen, basically, in in our ad, ad industry. Wonderful guy, wonderful guy. Uh, and still doing things with his son and his grandson in New York City. But George came from the era, the the 60s era, where it was his idea. If you didn't like it, there was one story that he told. He he was in a Madison Avenue building on a 40th floor, and he said, I'm going to jump out of the window if you don't take this idea. Uh, (laughs) So now I can't see a millennial doing that today. Uh, But my, my, my point is here, you know, I, and I, we've never asked George this question, but how do you communicate, George, with your grandson or your son Luke? Uh, how do you how do you talk? Because millennials have a different vocabulary and a different different way of connecting with people, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is this is indeed a millennial generation in terms of the ad industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it really is a, is a different place. How does that play into the stuff that you see? At Arkansas State, uh, do, do you, do, is there a difference? Because you know you're, you're talking about uh, you know keeping the conversation going. Uh, you know, create, how do you keep creatives creative? Uh, so, how do you talk to millennials? Is it different? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Okay, so by the way, uh, for Houston, uh, I have another talk. I just gave it to Amarillo, Texas, by the way, which is. Um, Pretty much how the millennial mindset, global design thinking, and how the millennial mindset is going to change, has changed the world. Um, I, and I'm a Gen Xer, um, I think that, it, I'm not going to talk quite yet about how to talk to them, but um, they don't, when you're raised the way that you are in a kind of a, what is it, the, the, the trophy, 
trophy tiles, you know, you do anything and you'll get a trophy sort of thing. Well, of I don't course, think it's quite yeah. that extreme. It's not quite that extreme, but there is a difference. Um, the thing is, is everyone thinks that that's so bad. No, that means that when you, like so many people think that they're rebelling, they're not rebelling if you've never had to ask, you know, is that okay if we do that? It's like, it's more like, hey, we can do this thing over here that's better. Plus these people have grown up with, I mean, they've always had a million streams of uh, information coming at them all the time. Mm-hmm. So they, it's a different way in that. Um, so, but yeah, that's the fact If you, you don't have to ask permission, you're going to change the world. And then you're not stuck with tradition. You are doing new and exciting things. I know that there's a bad point of that too. Very, you know, lots of, oh my God, stop. You will not find any answers on Wikipedia. You know, like this is an academic source. Stop looking online for everything though. This is a book. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, there are aspects of that that are in there. Um, and just to let you know, though, the generation that I am teaching right now are, are Gen Z. So 20, uh, 20, if they're about 23 or younger, they're now Gen Z. So millennials are older now. Yeah. Still is the generation below me. But, um, and I've had a lot of time speaking with them. Um, you know, as far as did I talk to them a different way? I, I think that the way that I might have communicated with my students was different because I was relocating to a part of the country that I hadn't lived before. And that was different. Like, I remember when I first showed up to Ace State to teach, and people would say, yes, ma'am. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's that about? I was so confused. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't grow up ma'am. in this town. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, got a, I have a problem with me. that, too. It's a little bit too formal. I, 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 at first, I thought, I'm like, I'm not your grandmother. Like, why? And then I realized, oh, it's a matter of, it's just respect that you give, and you it's get in culture. trouble if you yeah. didn't do that to anybody who wasn't who was yeah. your senior. So, not that people were rude in Colorado or Indiana, but wow, so much more polite, at least to my face. Uh, Isn't that funny <laughs> how all of these different areas have different attributes with with, uh, with behaviors and such, and and respect and the way people respond to to. Uh, I mean, there's a commonality across all the United States, and I'm sure if you put it all together. You, it would even out, but it, but it is kind of funny, uh, you know, here in the deep south with uh, uh, in in Houston, uh, it is uh, definitely a yes sir, yes ma'am, uh, yeah. and it's different. It's different than being in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, and Cleveland, Ohio yeah. wasn't a bad place to be either, uh, which is which is yeah. great. It, like like Granger, Indiana, of course, or yeah. South Chicago. I like that. Hey, Nikki, mm-hmm. do you think that are yeah. uh, great creatives born? Or or do they learn how to do what they do? What do you think? Mm, that's a great question. And do you mean creative people in general, or do you mean creative as in going to work at an ad agency, communication-y kind of? Exactly. Aspect? Yeah, that, that aspect of that, what, what you teach and what you're involved mm-hmm. in with advertising. Uh, can, you teach, <sighs> can you teach people to be great at what they do or does that have to come from inside hmm. i think that there's there's ways to refine things that exist already so that they can be really really good i think that gosh um well as far as teaching that i think that when i get them at a college level 
if they don't already have some sort of awareness, even if that was because their mom always and dad always said, hey, you're really good at drawing. You know, like, if they don't have at least some sort of awareness and appreciation of things that non-creatives don't see out in the world, you know, where they're walking along and they're kind of mesmerized by that leaf on the ground and everybody else thinks they're a weirdo. And what they're actually seeing are the colors and the way that the light interacts. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and how things look in an environment. Or they're the, you know, the, the quiet person in the corner, the art kid who's always, you know, writing some poetry that's probably likely really bad poetry in high school, but it was, they're trying to find a way to express themselves. Yeah. So in that aspect, if there's already that there, that they're, and there probably is that they're going to it in college. Um, I can take that and refine it and make it really, really, really good. Because it's more like, see that, that thing that you do? That's a tool. That's not just out there floating in the emotional goo. Like, if you can take that and acknowledge how, how you can take that, you know, empathic or whatever awareness of what others are doing and, you know, walk into a focus group and, you know, maybe that focus group is getting coffee with your friends and, and find out how to use that, then it can be refined. Mm-hmm. And now there are, everyone small will get students, uh, not saying there's a lot, who think that art is easy and that's why they took it and they're not actually good artists. They just thought art was easy. They find out very quickly why that was the wrong major to pick. Ooh. And they, they usually don't, they won't graduate from the program. In fact, they probably wasted money. Yeah, so, um, that's, yeah so, that that, is, that's so true in so many different aspects of, of uh, higher education as well. You think you're doing yeah. something just because it's a, it's a quick, uh, quick grade and you get through mm-hmm. it and done with it. But, but there's, there's others, and I said that before, there are others in the class, uh, the, in your class that you know who are going to be the best at what they do. And you know you can see that, that they're going to be successful yeah. at what they do, right? Yes. And yes, and... And honestly, actually, when you said the you, for a second I went into being a student. Um, what I try to do is, because, you know, you've got the students who you know are just, they're just the superstars. Mm-hmm. And you've got a student who is struggling. And it's not a matter of copying. You never want to plagiarize. But it's a matter of saying, like, go out into the world and see what's happening. See what, you know, or how did that person solve it? Or go out and see what is winning awards that you always have to make sure that they don't copy it yeah you know um and and as soon as i mean honestly when i was a student way back a million years ago i was pretty good pretty good and you know because in fourth grade i was told i should be a commercial artist and so i was doing it and i was i was pretty okay Hmm. but i knew there were other students in my class who were better and as soon as i went and did an internship somewhere and all of our students that's part of they have to do an internship before they can graduate because as soon as i did that internship and I was exposed to, first of all, the exciting world of an ad agency. Even though I was in Indiana, I interned in Denver. And, oh, my God, it was so amazing. Yeah. And, you know, seeing that energy and also, oh, these are awards annuals. And looking through those and seeing them and, and also being part of a group on campus. As soon as I got involved, and I, like, it was like someone opened the door. And then I was, I was, I was pretty good. Um, um, so that's kind of answered your question with that. But, you know, there's some people who just come in, you know, they're going to be amazing. And then there's the people who are, are going to get it, but you have to show them the door, which was like me as a student. However, now between those two people, imagine on one of my hands is a person who was like, so good to begin with, that person. Mm-hmm. And then, then the me, who was pretty good, but then saw how to be amazing. 
I had the drive though, and I had the ability, and I also knew I wanted to go into advertising. I knew I wanted to do that. And I could set my path. I had an objective, just like in advertising. You give someone an objective, you give the thing to reach, I will I will find some way to get to it. And I'm the one who had a job uh, practically it wasn't it wasn't before I graduated. Not undergrad. Sure. <laughs> but I, I knew exactly what I was doing when I had a job within a couple months. Yeah. Granted there wasn't a recession happening at the time. But you know, it's like I I so compared to that person who was maybe possibly more talented, but didn't know how to market themselves. Uh, that's another colorful way of putting it. When I, one of the final classes they have with me, my students, is professional practice. Mm. And it goes, it's a co-requisite with portfolio. And with professional practice, I teach them, I mean, of course, I teach them how to do things like write a resume and have a social media presence, you know, stuff like that. But it's also the way that I, I put it in a loving and colorful manner you got to learn how to pin to yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. Nope. Like you've got to be able to get out there and yeah. talk to people. And that's, yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that you you bring that example up. We we are we are voice actors and we are also voice uh, coaching uh, folks mm -hmm. who do the you know do the coaching and the production of voiceover demos and such. And one of the thing one of the things that we teach in our uh, thing, basically, five percent of what you do is voiceover, and ninety five percent is the business of voiceover. And we we would try yeah. to give them those tools so that when they come out of our course. They have uh, they they have the website set up. They have all of the tools and necessary things to understand the business and what they do. I think that's a really important part. But it sounds like you you had that all figured out, Nikki, and I like that. Uh, that's good. You, uh, you well, I, mean, I, I think it's so important, especially for our students, because many of them, not so many of the design majors, but many of them are, if they, you know, the art majors we're grabbing from. It hasn't even crossed their minds to say the business side of things. Some of them also feel a little dirty getting into the business. And I'm like, you'll get over it. That's called making money. It's fine. Hey, what a concept. <laughs> making money. You got to do that. There's those things like a car and, and a house and food on the table. I'll tell you a quick story about a good friend of ours here in the Houston market. Brad Forsyth uh, is his name. Uh, Brad uh, is an ad guy and has been an ad guy for, you know, three decades uh, and uh, just a great guy and a great agency um, in the Houston market. And he's done a lot of uh, incredibly cool things with a variety of clients. But I was at his house one day, and in, in a closet, he had some paintings. And I go, well, who did those? He goes, I did. I go, you need to paint. Uh, why are you not Why are you not doing that? So what his, he and his wife did is they, they took a, a, a journey out to, uh, to Maui for about a decade and Brad created some of the most amazing abstract art uh, recognized. Uh, he, he, he won awards. He, he, uh, some of his artwork is on a, a surfboard uh, manufacturer's line. Check it out, Brad Forsyth Art. Uh, but the dude, this great ad guy, has found, had found that he can paint. And he did. And he, he, you know, I'm sure you go at things the same way he does. He goes at the, toward it with a, with a fervor. He's going to do it, going to do it, going to do it. And then if he becomes very successful at what he does. And that was the same with the ad game as well here in the Houston market mm -hmm. as well. But, uh, but it sounds like you're a lot uh, uh, similar to uh, what I'm talking about with Brad. So I want to ask you one final question here, Nikki. 
what side of you is more passionate about what you do? Is it the creative advertising, Nikki, is or is it the educator, Nikki? Uh, which one? Do, which one really uh, gets your day going? You know, I'm going to add a third one in there to further push my point when I answer it. There's a third. There's a third Nikki in that realm. The Nikki that, that emerged after a Master of Fine Arts, a terminal degree, um, that made me become a traditional artist again and realize this, this more open creative and that painting and this and that informs my advertising and my strategy and stuff like that. That's a, that's a different, that one is out there floating in the emotional ether. So between those three. Okay. Uh, they all feed each other. I'm going to, gosh, this is a weird answer. It's actually the, the, the person that handles both the teaching and the ad strategy, mm. which is how to reach someone, how to get through to them, whether I'm trying to sell something or I'm trying to help them learn something. Not just here, do this lesson, like really learn it. Really keep it in their mind. Really under, or likewise, really understand what that brand is about. Not the buy one, get one free. Like, really understand, like, how do I get, and I guess it's strategy in both of those ways. And it sounds like I'm trying to get into somebody's brain. And it is, but not to do harm. Um, (laughs) So that, more than anything, is that commonality between the advertising and the education. And I always hear that, that, the traditional artist person is the one who reminds me not everything is rational thought. Get over it. <laughs> oh, what a great so. way. That's, that's a good exclamation point to put on that statement. I like that. I like that. Get over it. <laughs> you, you... And by the way, speaking of advertising, I, I feel ashamed about this. When you were saying George Lois, I was like, I know that. I know that. Of course I know George Lois. I talk about him in history of, of graphic design. Yes. I teach about him in advertising design. He is the like heaven's opened and ah, George Lois. It oh is. Yeah, God. yeah. Oh, he's a wonderful God. man. He's such a kind yeah. person. We have we have a bunch of his uh, coffee table books here. Uh and it, it's all, all of those are signed uh, love George, you know. It, 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 very it, he's what oh, what a great heart. Um and he's so good at what he does. And it's kind of yeah. cool to see his He's carrying that on through his son and his grandson This at this point in time in his life. But the man has done so much, seen so much, experienced so much, changed so much. I want my MTV uh, yep, yep. was George's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was he was definitely a player, and he still is uh, iconic uh, in the advertising yeah. industry. But uh, we love George, and, and he's just uh, – I'm glad that he was there in the 60s and continues to be here um, you know, in the 21st century as well, too. I'm also glad that we had a chance to talk, and I hope you enjoyed this as much as uh, as I did. You know, the oh, yeah. the, the webinar was uh, Tuesday the 18th uh, called Keeping Creatives mm-hmm. Creative. And mm-hmm. what you can do is you can request, uh, Nikki, to, uh, uh, to, to be a speaker at your events, and she'll be more than happy to zoom in there and be, uh, be a part of that as well from her, her uh, now town of uh, Memphis, uh, Tennessee. But Nikki, mm-hmm. what a pleasure getting to know you uh, a little bit more, and I hope that uh, other folks get a chance to to listen to this podcast and and just hear uh, what what great things you're doing there. But thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you 
so much for having me, and thank you all who are listening. Thank you for listening. At Speaks Houston is the Addy Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter, and you can find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will also help us grow. We also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. Check out AdTension, the podcast for District 10. Until next time, thanks for listening. SB Houston, Copyright 2020. I'm Ray Shellens.